Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode where I'm continuing along our journey, deep diving into anxiety. And today I'm talking specifically about how we can make the brain more resistant to anxiety. Now I've talked a lot about anxiety in the brain, and I really want to shift a little bit more towards how we can make that brain a little bit more resistant and stop being so trigger happy all the time. Cause that's oftentimes when we've got anxious kiddos, they're uber sensitive and their brain just triggers to everything in their environment. There's so much to cover. So I've really broken this down into different parts to try to make it a little bit more manageable. I do go into a lot more detail too in my anxiety compass training, because there really is so much to know and there's so much to cover, but I at least want to walk you through some of the key pieces um, over the next few weeks. There's several components to be able to rewire the brain to make it more resistant. And I'm going to be going through all of those. Um, Let's start with awareness. Awareness is one of the most important things because there's nothing we can do to rewire our anxious brain if we're not first aware of getting sucked into anxiety in the first place. Our amygdala, it's so strong because remember, it's the oldest fastest, strongest part of our brain. And it's just triggered so quickly that it's really easy for us to get sucked in to that anxiety without even knowing it. And we go through our days in autopilot all the time. If you've ever had a bag of chips and all of a sudden it's gone and you're like, who ate my chips? And it was you (laughs) in autopilot. Uh, We spend so much time there. And so that's why it's so easy for us to get sucked into that anxiety trap and, and responding in really anxious ways. It's kind of like a cult leader. When we look at anxiety, talk a lot about that, it being a cult leader and where the cult followers, people who are in a cult, they never realize they're in a cult and they're always pushing back. They really believe in everything, um, that the cult leader, I mean, parents have given their children Kool-Aid believing (laughs) that this Kool-Aid was going to be for the benefit of their children. Right. And they don't know, and they're going to push back if you try to tell them otherwise that, that you're in a, they're, you're in a cult and you're being brainwashed, they're going to push back and say, we're being brainwashed. Right. So anxiety is kind of like that. So just when we tell a kiddo, Hey, it's not a big deal. Just calm down. Don't worry about it. It's not helpful, especially when that amygdala is already triggered. And it's really oftentimes the opposite's going to happen. So anxiety, it wants to stay hidden so it can suck us into all of that. And, and it really wants to make everything a crisis and it wants to suck you in and professionals in and everybody else around this child sucked in. That's what it wants. So we need to expose this little cult leader for what it is. And that's part of, you know, the awareness piece. So I do first want to say, you know, we need to be aware of what's going on for us when we have anxious kiddos in our midst. So we have to watch out for our own emotions because we know emotions are so contagious. And I've talked about how our emotions are contagious for our kiddos, but same thing, we can easily get sucked into the anxiety, this reverse hypnosis. So we really need to make sure that our own emotions are in check. If we're going to be an effective emotion coach, if, if, you know, being an effective emotion coach is essential to be able to help respond in helpful ways. And especially with our anxious kiddos, because we don't want to make the anxiety worse and fall into the traps and do the anxiety and make, you know, doing any lecturing or reassuring any advice giving that's just not helpful. And those are just examples of how we can get sucked into that anxiety trap as well. So once we know 
that, hey, this is a situation that I got to use skills. This is a situation that I have to respond in a helpful way. Then we can start teaching kiddos to start building their awareness of when anxiety is showing up. So when we're looking for anxious kiddos, it's helpful for them to be really proactive. And when they're calm, we want to talk about them um, them and their anxiety when they're calm. So getting them to start thinking about when anxiety shows up. I love talking about making predictions of when anxiety is going to show up next, but sometimes that can be tricky. Um, but I do like, you know, where's the typical place? Well, when I am in a dark room by myself, when I have to go to the basement, when there's a weather storm warning or something like that, but it's really good to start thinking about too, when is it going to show up? So it's two o'clock Tuesday afternoon. When is anxiety going to show up? And kids will be like, well, as soon as I leave here or not until Friday, or maybe it's eight o'clock tonight. It can be really helpful. So when anxiety does show up, they can be like, aha, I knew you were going to show up at eight o'clock tonight. I knew it. I even told Caroline you were going to show up. So now the anxiety is still there. That hasn't gone away, but kids are already responding differently to anxiety. And that's our goal is to be able to respond differently to it so that they're not becoming sucked in right away. They're being aware of, aha, there you are. So we, we've hardly done, we haven't even done anything. We're just making a prediction of when it's going to show up. Now, if they're wrong, they can be like, oh, wow, you're showing up earlier than I expected. You're really trying to surprise me today. Or, oh, wow, you didn't show up at all. You know, that's surprising too. Our brains actually like to make predictions. And if we're right, it, we get that dopamine burst. Aha, I was right. But they can be curious. And that's a key piece as well. I'm going to be talking a lot about curiosity, but they can be curious about, oh, my prediction wasn't right. What's going on here? Either way, we're changing our response to anxiety. So when we look at emotion, maybe we'll start there. There's five key parts of emotion that we have to become aware of. So it's not just necessarily recognizing the anxiety. There's different pathways that we can recognize it, especially when we're looking at emotion. So it's really helpful for kiddos to tune in to these five different parts of emotion that they feel. And to start, it doesn't have to be with anxiety. It could be the five different parts of happiness, of boredom, of whatever is coming up for them. The more that they can tap into this awareness, the easier it's going to be when anxiety does show up. So practicing regularly throughout the day, tuning in, seeing what's going on for them, just little practices. It doesn't have to be an hour of sitting in meditation or anything like that. No, just a few pieces throughout the day, a couple of seconds. That's all it takes. And we're already starting to rewire the brain. So the big obstacle is just making sure that they're having lots of opportunities throughout the day. I like to pair it with things. Maybe it's the first thing before I get out of bed. First thing when I go into bed, every time I wash my hands, every time I eat or whatever it is, it's going to be really helpful for them to start just tuning in with what's going on for them. Like I said, it doesn't matter how they're feeling. They could be completely neutral and not feeling anything, but it's just checking in and checking in and checking in. It has to become second nature for them so that when anxiety does show up, it's a little bit easier. So when we look at these five pieces of emotion, the first piece is the physiological piece. And I find that that can actually be really hard for anxious kiddos, even though that they're so aware. And a lot of the, even my adults who are super anxious and they're like, I know exactly what's going on with my body. It's awful. I don't need to bring awareness to it, but it's a different kind of awareness. 
normally we're like, I'm so stressed. I'm having a heart attack. We start worrying about the symptoms that we're feeling, or we try to push them away. Right. So we're going to respond to them. We're going to raise our awareness and respond to them a little bit differently. So it's just tuning into the body and I'll have kids. Can you feel, you know, just feel, don't move anything, but can you feel your foot in your shoe? It's amazing how many kids cannot feel their feet in their shoes. They're just not in touch with their body. So that's what it is. What are you noticing? Don't have to change anything. Just sit with your body. What are you noticing right now? Maybe just take a second for yourself, kind of go through what's the strongest feeling that you feel. And for me, it's the back of my right shoulder, right around the shoulder blade. It's so tight. It's so painful. So I can feel that. Is it a pressure? Is it a burning? Is it a clenching? You can think about what are they noticing and what kind of feeling is it? They can even just pay attention. Where, where's the first part of your body that touches the chair? So for me, it's right below my shoulder blades. I can feel the back of my chair. So just noticing all of those things and then just labeling cold, tense, sore, relaxed, tingly. So we're just starting to bring awareness to our body. That's the first place. It's always going to show up in our body first. We can then start bringing this awareness to when anxiety starts to show up and noticing when, you know, that worry is starting to sink in what's happening in our body. Right. And so we can start seeing if, you know, there's just an automatic, all of a sudden my heart is hurting, (laughs) my chest is hurting, or is there this workup? It's a little bit of a butterfly in my tummy. And now I can feel tingling. Now I feel pressure. So just looking at how it's showing up in their body. But like I said, to start just lots of little practices throughout the day, just checking in with their body. Now I do like using visuals. So having a thermometer, right, where you can see where anxiety shows up and what the body does. So, you know, knowing that when I'm calm, my body is like loosey goosey, cooked spaghetti, really flexible. I'm calm. I feel like a puddle. But as I start, you know, this is my thermometer, just thinking the next level up. Well, I'm starting to feel a little bit, a little bit of tension, a little bit nervous here. And that feels like, oh, I can feel it in my neck. I can feel a little bit of tension in my neck. The next level up is okay. I'm really starting to get nervous now. I can feel a little bit more pressure in my chest. So they can just start looking at the different variations of the physiological feeling and, and knowing even to start, if it's just what does calm feel like versus angry or scared and really practicing and what's all of those sort of the nuances in between being calm and frustrated or, or scared. And so really looking at those different variations. So start taking the role of detective or scientists. That's why I like doing predictions and hypotheses where kids can start to collect data about when and where these different emotions are showing up. So if they don't know when it's going to show up or when it's shown up in the past, they can even just start looking. When is it going to show up? When did it show up? And any feeling, not just anxiety, especially in the beginning, they, it's really helpful for them to identify what they're feeling in the moment, whatever that is. Anxiety is actually pretty predictable. So once they start looking for it, they can probably start to see some of those patterns and take more control in the moment and realize, okay, I know Tuesdays at three o'clock or first thing Monday morning, these are the times that are really problematic for me. 
After that, the next piece is the cognitive piece. We 100% don't have control over our thoughts. So it's not helpful to say, just think happy thoughts. Don't worry about it, right? But again, it's how we respond to them, how we respond to them in different ways once we're aware of those thoughts. And there's lots of different ways of doing this, which I'm going to get into once we start talking a little bit more about mindfulness. But just a couple of ideas for now, uh, categorizing thoughts can be really helpful. And there's a few different ways you can categorize them. One is just to say helpful, not helpful, uplifting, Debbie Downer, right? So it's helpful, not helpful, sad, angry, um, or even just switching between senses. I'm thinking, I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling, just being able to label what is going on for me moment by moment by moment. And again, it take, you can just do it for five seconds. What are the first five things that you notice? Feeling, hearing, hearing, feeling, thinking, right? So just kind of going that, just labeling what's happening in the moment, that can be really helpful. And they can start seeing how many different experiences that they have from one second to the next. And, and, and just how easy it is to get sucked into autopilot. Oh, there I am in my head again, right? Where that amygdala and anxiety likes to hang out in that default mode when we go into autopilot. So we've got to just make sure that we're being aware in the moment even as I'm talking, keep checking in with your body, noticing just one body part. What's your big toe feeling like? What's your left shoulder feeling like? Just dropping in. Another thing I have kids do is sit with an arrow on their lap. And in one end of the arrow, it'll say future. And at the other end, I have past. And in the middle is present. So for a few moments, if you've got minutes, great. But if it's just a few seconds, that's okay. But just paying attention to their thoughts. And whenever a thought comes up, touching the arrow, wherever the thought is best place. Oh, that's something that I'm thinking about for lunchtime today future. Oh, that's something that happened last night. Pass. They can just touch the arrow where that thought is placed. It's just a thought. It's just helping them detach from that thought and not get carried away into autopilot. Even if it's just uh, something that they're excited about, it's really easy to get stuck in our head. So they're just noticing right now where on that timeline is that thought. And the more kids can become you know, passive observers to their thoughts rather than active participants believing that that's the thing or going into autopilot, the easier the other work's going to be. So right now it's really just laying down the seeds of what's happening in my body, letting me check in lots of times, small few seconds throughout the day, what's happening in my body and where are my thoughts going? That can be really helpful. The third part of emotion, it does start getting a little bit trickier. If, if you take nothing else away from today's episode, just focusing on those two pieces, whenever you can being able to practice and it's good practice for you too, just checking in with your body and checking in with your thoughts and being able to see if you can categorize them just for a couple of seconds. When we get to the third part of emotion, that's really our body language. And we start getting more into the behavioral things. So when we're happy, we might smile or we might walk with a bounce, right? Um, when we're angry, we're going to clench our fists, our eyes narrow down. We, you know, we're squinting a little bit more. So just noticing what our body does automatically as well. That can be another piece that we start looking at. So paying attention to our body language is really helpful as well, especially because there's things that we can do to change our response to anxiety. So just looking at what happens when you narrow your eyes. What, what, what feelings would you associate with that? I would do 
probably anger, frustration, annoyance, right? If I'm squinting my eyes, it's more anger and I can feel the anxiety too. But if you open your eyes nice and wide, I can't help but smile if my eyes are nice and wide, but we're literally changing just by changing how our eyes are changing our emotions. We're changing the signal we're sending to the brain. If my eyes are wide, our brain gets confused and can't be like, Oh, you're angry. You're scared because your eyes are wide. And even just thinking about how we take in from in, in information, if our eyes are squinted, we are narrow-minded. We are blocking off any information. We are in defense mode <laughs> when our eyes are squinted, right? And literally our eyes are not taking in anything new, nor is our brain. But if our eyes are open, just think of like, wow, that's the coolest thing ever. Your eyes go wide. It's taking in as much as you can. And so now I'm being open. Now I'm looking at the full big picture, not the narrow sort of piece that I'm worried about. So that's something too, that we can think about is what is my body posture doing? All of my body language, is it doing anxiety? Is there something, just a slight shift that I can do in my posture, in my eyes? That's the best one really is opening your eyes wide, getting curious that can help already not only change how we respond to anxiety, but can just change our experience of it as well. That brings me to the fourth area, which is our behaviors, what we actually do when we're feeling anxious with anxiety. It's really important to look at, for example, the avoidance behaviors, especially because, you know, avoidance behaviors are usually because of the thoughts that something bad is really going to happen. And we want to focus on the things that, that kiddos are avoiding that are actually pretty important to them because that's a great place to get their buy-in and motivation, you know? So if they really want to go to a friend's house, but they don't go because there's a dog there and they're worried about getting bit, that's great motivation because they already want to go. It's already important for them, but avoiding, I mean, that's not the only behavior. Kids are going to engage in all sorts of behaviors when they're feeling anxious. So they need to be aware of everything. It could be nail biting, pulling their hair, fighting, yelling, all of those sorts of behaviors are really important to know as well, because well, I'm, we'll be talking about them and how behaviors can reinforce anxiety in future episodes, but that's important. Those are subtle things that our brain is pushing against. I'm anxious. I'm trying to protect myself. And that's another way that we can awake from this sort of cult and be aware of what's going on. The last piece is the, the subjective emotion. I'm not really going to get into that one today because focusing on the other four really is most important. And even those two, just what's going on in my body and can I identify my thoughts? And even the thoughts can be hard too, even if they're just focusing on what's going on in my body, but looking at the body language can be helpful too. But really a lot of kiddos need to practice building their awareness of those other four pieces and especially that physiological piece, which, you know, what's happening in their body, that awareness is going to be so important and that alone, they can make so much progress if they're just even focusing on that. So really, you know, we want to be able to focus on that. So to help build this awareness as adults have to help those kids drop into their bodies regularly throughout the day, because they're not going to do it on their own. So even just checking in, like I said, with their feet, how are their feet feeling? Are they warm? Are they cool? Are they tingly? Are they prickly? Just taking two seconds to feel what their feet are feeling. First, your right foot, now your left foot. 
What are you noticing? Are this the same feeling? Which one's stronger? Getting them to notice if one foot has a stronger sensation than the other, or if the other one's warmer than the other. Having them scan their body quickly and identifying which body part has the strongest sensation and labeling that sensation or noticing just what side, if they can't even label, just noticing where, which side of the body do they feel it the most? Those types of things can be really helpful. You can put kids into lots of different situations too and have them predict what they're going to think, how they think they're going to feel, what their body language is going to show, what they're going to do. I love video, um, video recording where you you can make some predictions. Okay. Made some predictions. Let's write it down. Let's go record you. We're going to put you into the situation and just see what your body language, and then we're going to review it. And okay. What, what do you notice here? What was your body language telling us? What did you do? Right. If, how do you think you're feeling based on what what we're seeing here in this video. It's really helpful to have kids practice identifying what's happening for them in the moment, for sure. So I, I always like to start with structured practice where, where they're calm. So we're not waiting until they're anxious because none of this is going to work. It's lots of practice throughout the day when they're calm and maybe have a challenging task. That could be something too, where maybe they have to write with their non-dominant hand. They have to write a couple of sentences and just staying mindful what's happening. Maybe there's frustrated thoughts, right? Maybe they're noticing, oh, my hand has to be really awkward as I turn my page in the paper to be able to write with my non-dominant hand. Just being able to notice what is going on for them in their body and in their mind. So sometimes you can just put them in situations to be able to pay attention on purpose doing all of these sorts of practice that really helps incorporate mindfulness, which is important because mindfulness, we have to be present to be aware in recognizing our emotions and the physical sensations and how we're being affected to be able to wake up from anxiety. So we're not getting sucked into that cult. So this is truly the first step in becoming a master over anxiety and the first step in being able to rewire our brain, because without this awareness, it's really hard to identify when anxiety is showing up, when it's up to its tricks, you know, and when we get carried away and sucked in with anxiety. So lots of structured practice sessions. Then you can start talking about upcoming real events, like maybe a fire drill or a loud birthday party, or, you know, mom has to go away for a week or any other situation that's coming up for your kiddos that could stress them out. We can start talking about what are your predictions? Okay. Let's see if your hypotheses are right. If your predictions are right already, we're changing their, their, um, worries. So developing that foresight into how kids are going to feel and experience that emotion before something even happens, that's going to help them gain control of their reactions. Aha, I knew it. Or, Ooh, that's not what I expected. Ooh, anxiety is really trying to freak me out today. So the more they practice, like I said, the easier it gets. It's not just a one and done deal. It's a lot of practice every single day. Once kids can be aware of what's happening with anxiety and how it's getting in the way of things that are important to them, then they can respond differently. And, and we will build from there, but that's really the first step. If we're not aware, we're just following the same brain loops. We're stuck in a rut, the anxious rut in our brain. We're not doing any rewiring. So that's why awareness is important. So we can get out of that rut and make new pathways in the brain. I'll leave it there for today. I, like I said, I do go into a lot more detail about making the brain resistant to anxiety in my anxiety compass mastery training program. So definitely check that out. If you'd like to dive even deeper into 
you know, working effectively and getting deeper into the brain and how we can rewire it. I still continue this journey and I will be going into it next week as well, um, giving you lots of ideas. But if you want to deep dive into anything, that's always a great way to do so. Definitely book a call with me and we can chat a little bit more about the training program. In the meantime, though, have a great day. Help those anxious kiddos be bold and courageous. And I will see you next week.